Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. Today, I want to really help you understand who is in you. I want you to understand that without the Holy Ghost, you're nothing. If the church doesn't have, I'll say it this way, if the church doesn't welcome and allow the Holy Spirit, you're saying, can a church stop the Holy Spirit from working? Yes. It can. If we treat things of God as common and not sacred, not holy, well, the Holy Ghost will recognize that he's not welcome there. And one of the things that we never want to do is allow that to happen within this church or within our life. Now, the Holy Ghost dwells in you and he lives in you. And some people don't even know that and they're believers because they don't have relationship, fellowship. They don't spend time with him. But when you get into a place where you begin to speak to him, you say, well, who is? Who is he? Well, he is God the Spirit. He is part of the Trinity. Come on. He is fully God but he is a separate person. And he dwells in you. He lives in you. And today, he has many different roles. He will help you. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will comfort you. The Bible even says in 1 John 2 that the anointing, which is speaking of the Spirit of God, because we know that the Holy Ghost is mentioned in three different ways. Oil. Fire. Come on. I mean, today, thank God for the anointing. We know that in the Old Testament that they would pour the anointing on top of the head of priests, and they would go down all the way to their feet. And this was to show that the Spirit of God was upon them. We know in the same way that the fire represents the Holy Ghost, and he will come within you and burn up or refine you. One of the things I want to encourage you in is to get to know the Holy Ghost. And the best way you can do that is by reading your Bible. Because the Word and the Spirit are the same. Because if you don't get in the Bible, what happens is you might not start talking to the Holy Spirit for something else. See, sometimes we as Christians think that we don't need to read the Word of God. That we don't need to dig deep in the Word and study and know what Scripture says. No, that's quite the opposite, actually. The Bible says you need to study to show yourself approved. You need to get to the place where you hear the word of God and are studying the word of God and loving the word of God to where you allow it to transform you and change you. And how does that transformation happen? Through the work of the Holy Ghost. See, the word and the spirit, they work together. As you read God's word, the Holy Ghost will then confirm his word in you. Isn't that cool? We are in a chapter of Nehemiah, and this is probably the next three chapters are going to be my favorite chapters. Because the work is done. I want to say the work's done. 52 days has gone by. The walls have been built. Now the people, before they come in and begin to live and abode there and stay there, they come to unify and assemble around the law or, in that time, God's word. 
We know that the law was the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch. And this was written by Moses. And you have Genesis, come on, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I would encourage you, go read those things. Go read them and say, well, that has nothing to do with me. I'm part of the church now. No, you see types and shadows of Jesus. You see types and shadows of things that were spoken. And also, you see how God moved in the people of Israel's life. In the same way God moves today in our life. There's a lot of great things within there that will help you understand who you are in Christ. I would encourage you to read it. And in verse 1 in chapter 8 it says, And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. Man, now I promised myself I would not stand the scripture and just preach this one scripture the whole time. And so I'm going to do my best to continue. I want to try to get through the whole chapter, okay? I know at times that we've gone through some of these chapters and I've stayed on like one verse, right? This is hard. But I told myself I got to get, because I want to get to verse like 9 and 10. I have to. But the water gate. If, if you've ever studied the gates of Jerusalem, the water gate is symbolic of the word of God. The Bible says this about God's word in Ephesians 5, verse 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to sanctify her, cleansing her, listen to the wording, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Here you see in the book of Nehemiah that they're coming together by the water gate. In this area, which is symbolic because they're about to read the word of God. They're about to read the law. And they're getting back to a place. Because you got to remember, everyone was scattered. They were all living in pagan areas. They even took up worshiping pagan gods and having idolatry in their heart. Now, after I think it's 147 years, they're finally back into this place where Ezra who is a preacher, come on, the Bible says that he is a scribe and a priest. Now, scribe means he would write the law. So he was well-versed in the law. But he was also a priest, meaning that he was anointed by God. Because we know in the Old Testament that prophets, priests, and kings, come on, were anointed or had the Spirit of God come upon them. And Ezra not only was a scribe and well-versed in the law, but he was also anointed. He was a priest. And he brings to the people's attention God's law or God's commandments and his word back to the people that were scattered. Because what happens is as they teach or as he teaches and other priests teach, you begin to see a whole bunch of other of the Jews or Israelites come in. And once they come in, they know that there's a standard to be lived. For 147 years, they've been living any other way. Not all of them, because we know that there was a remnant, right? There is a group of people that knew they were going to go back to that place. Nehemiah was part of that remnant. Ezra was part of that remnant. We know that even when we looked at the people that built the walls, that they were part of that remnant. 
There was tens of thousands of them. But that wasn't all the population. And they come together before anything's built really inside of Jerusalem. We got the temple done. You got the walls done. You got the gates done. But you still have to build the houses, the commerce. You have to build the economic things with inside. They're living outside of the gate. A lot of them are. And the first thing they do before building houses, before building the marketplace, is we're going to take about a month. If you look through 8, 9, and 10, it's about a month where we are going to come around the word of God. We're going to hear it preached. We're going to repent. We're going to mourn. We're going to have joy. They're going to celebrate some festivals that was done in Moses' time. And they're going to get back to a place as a people of God. This is so true in how we should be when it comes to vision. See, God's word has to be the center point of our life. God's word has to be the focus. Because his word is what's going to lead us into truth. But not only his word, his spirit. The Bible says he is the spirit of truth and he will lead you into all truth. Notice that his word is truth and his spirit is truth. They work together. So for a believer, if you want to walk in truth, you must know the Holy Ghost, but you must also know his word. When it comes to his word, for a moment, let me give you some scripture. It says this. In Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. His word is living. His word is active. It's discerning your heart. It's showing who you really are. And why does it do that? It shows you where you are right now and shows you where you can get later on. It shows you what's going on within you right now and the areas you need to correct, the areas where you need to change, the areas where you need to work on. And as you do so, it begins to show you what could happen when you do it. See, his word today, it says in Matthew 4, 4, that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Notice that God's word is life. It is the source of life. Jesus, when he was in this place, the wilderness, and he was fasting and praying and seeking God. And he goes through this temptation three times from the enemy. He says this, turn these breads into bread into stone. That's what the enemy said to him, Satan. And he replies back with God's word. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How is your response today when it comes to attack? Is it by the Holy Spirit and by his word? Or is it by feeling, emotion, past experience? See, today as believers, as men and women of God, the only answer that we should really give to life's problems is God's word and the leading of his spirit. This is a place where we must get to. Because this is a place, just like you see in Nehemiah 8, which leads to revival. Go back to Nehemiah 8. I'm going to read a series of scripture, and then I'm going to unpack it a little bit. 
And he says, before the water gate, and they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard. Matt, I'll get there in a second. On the first day of the seventh month, and he read it from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning unto midday in the presence of men and women and all those who could understand. And the ears of all the people who were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra, the scribe, stood on a wooden platform. Look at this. So we got a preacher now. He's preaching to tens of thousands of people. He has to be seen. But not him being seen, not him being heard, but God being seen and God's word being heard. See, this, is, this thing right here, it ain't about Jacob. No, this is about God's word being seen and being heard. Anybody else tells you otherwise? Leave. This ain't my church. This is God's church. It's not my money. It's God's money. Come on. So Ezra has a very similar to this, a wooden platform that was made for the purpose. Look at that. Purpose of what? Preaching the word. Preaching the law. Bringing people back to a place of how they were delivered and set free, how their ancestors were set free, how the generations before them followed after God, even the stupid things they did in the wilderness, even them turning and worshiping a golden calf, going through all of it, talking about the blessing if they were to walk in obedience, talking about the cursing if they were to walk in disobedience, talking about the numbers of tribes and everything that they had and everything that they did. He's getting them back to a place of remembering because what's going to happen, watch. And it says beside him, and they begin to name off all the people that were beside him. And I'm not going to do that for the sake of you hearing me mess up all those names. Yeah. And look what happens. In verse 5, Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. And when they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. Look at the honor they have for God's word. I'm going to go back for a moment because I feel like I need to. I was going to wait, but I'm going to do it now. He says that Ezra brought the book in verse 2, the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and the women and all the children old enough to understand. And he faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. Look at this. If you think I preach long, this is about a six-hour message for many days. Early morning means as soon as the sun's out, they're all out there ready. And we just read about their attentiveness. When the reading began, they're all ready. Honor. And he preached till about midday. I don't know about you. That's a long message. We know that even Paul in the New Testament preached a message so long that someone fell asleep and fell out the window and died. Paul went, raised him back to the dead, or from the dead, and said, all right, let's get back in. i got to preach some more to you. You got an issue with 30 minutes. When did we get to the idea that church is only supposed to be 30 minutes of worship, 10 minutes of offering announcements, 30 minutes of message? I'm out. I'm gone. Peace. One love. 
I'm serious. Like, where's the honor? Where's the hunger? Where's the heart? We see, we say, revival, yeah, we want an awakening. But we can't stay at church for longer than two hours. I'm, like, this isn't Jacob. This is God's word. You say, well, that costs my time. Yes, it does. I'd rather go out and go fishing, go camping, go hang out with my friends. Man, I got a, a lunch break. Actually, you need to hurry up. Think about the heart and the attitude behind that. But you want God to work in your life. You want to see God's blessing. You want to see God's promises. But you can't give them your life. Look, I'm not cutting you. It's his word. I'm stepping on, my, on your toes just as much as my toes. We're not here to live a common, ordinary life. If we want to see God move in our children's lives. In our marriage, if we want to see God move in our personal life, in our career, in our job, if we want to see God move in his church, in the region, then we must understand that it's going to cost you everything. This life that you live is only for a temporal moment. It's temporary. And we are all runners on this race. And you will learn how to, how, how to endure, how to grow and, and mature in him. And we are all running for a prize. Come on, the Bible talks about that in Hebrews. We're running for a prize. You're not just running with no aim. I'm just out here doing my duty as a Christian. It's really hard. I got bunions on my feet. I can barely make it. God help me. No. See, this is the whole idea with suffering. We don't, we, we, our concept of suffering is so flawed. We think suffering only comes, if we're suffering, that only comes because God gave it to us. No, you will suffer for the sake of Christ. Your time will suffer. Your motives will suffer. Your desires will suffer. Your lusts will suffer. Your passions will suffer. Oh, yeah. And the very thing that you think you have need of, ultimately, when you follow after him, it will die in you if you let it. And you'll become alive to him. He said this. He, said, he read from early morning till noon, and they read aloud, and everyone who could understand. And all the people listened closely to the book of the law. I like the ESV where it says this. It says in verse 3, and he read it from the facing of the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive. Attentive. How are you right now as I'm preaching? Are you tuned out or are you attentive? See, it's one thing to think that it's a personality preaching to you, but it's another thing to say God's word is being spoken to me. Because when you see it as God's word, you can hear anybody preach it. You can hear the most boring preacher or teacher that's just monotone, but you can hear the content and the, the word and the revelation of what they're teaching. Come on, I've been in some areas where the teacher was just, it was hard to listen. You ever had a professor like that? And it's like, man, this is hard. But see, but when you listen to what they're saying, especially when it's God's word, I can hear past all of it. You might say, well, you're not my cup of tea. That's fine. But God, is he your cup of tea? Come on. 
we all have our styles and we all have our preferences and our likes and what we, you know, what, what's, what we enjoy. I get that. I guarantee you every single one of us listen to different preachers. We listen to different kind of music. We like different kind of genres, right? All of us. Lainey says, I have no taste in movies at all. <laughs> she says that I just like action movies. I don't care about plot, like, like drama, all that. She can't do that with me because I'm just like, I'm bored out of my mind. I just want to see shooting guns and war cries. She's like, no, I'm not watching any of that with you. And it's the same, but what I'm trying to get at is it's okay if you have a preference. Allow God's word to override your preference. I guarantee you every single one of these people had challenges that they had to work within themselves, waking up early in the morning and staying up until midday. And, that, and the day didn't stop. I mean, you got to think about it. They're living life. They're working. They're laboring. Like, they're doing a lot. Now, look at this. Verse 4. Ezra the scri a scribe stood on a high wooden platform that was made for the occasion. And he stood on the platform, verse 5, in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. Look. Look at the unity. Look at the love. Now, the NLT version on that first verse, I have it right here. It says in the first verse, all the people assembled with a unified purpose. Look at that. They assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. Look at that. Unified purpose. Today, we are all here with a unified purpose to grow in God, to assemble together, to praise God, to worship God, to give to God, to develop, to grow, to go out. Come on. We're all here with a unified purpose. And what does unity look like? Well, you see it right here in verse 5. They all rose to their feet for the word. Our unity does not come from our preference. Our unity does not come from our likes or dislikes. Our unity comes from God's word in our heart. Oh, you don't hear it yet. His, our unity together comes from our love for God. I can love you despite if I really like you because I love who you are in Christ. Yeah, I don't like the things you do. It annoys a fire out of me. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about, your, talking about someone that's not here. I'm messing. But you may have this attitude towards people in the body like, man, I just, oh, they really get me going. Why don't they not serve God more? Why don't they do that? Why are they not here? Let me help you today. Love those people. Pray for those people. Be the voice of God within their life. You say, how do I do that? Let me just give you a little story of experience. When I was about 11 years old, there was a man that played guitar on the stage with us. And he sometimes watches, and I use this story. I haven't used it here in, a, I don't think, ever once. So you're going to hear a new story. And he played on the stage. Well, during the season of his life, he got upset about what was happening from the pulpit. He didn't like what was preached because it was directly confronting within him. And he got upset. And I'm 10, 11 years old, or actually I'm 11 or 12 around that time. And I'm playing guitar, and I'm learning. And he's actually one of the guys that was teaching me how to play. I learned in church. On Sunday mornings, I would get up there and just play. I didn't know how to do it, but there was two very phenomenal guitar players that just spoke into my life, showed me cool little tricks and stuff. And he was one of them. And I remember I didn't see him anymore. No one said where he was at. I mean, I'm young, so they're not going to tell me. And I didn't have his phone number. It's not like today where you can just text somebody or hit him up on social media. You didn't have any of that back then. And it was about a couple of months where you never saw him. And so I ended up finding it, getting his number from our worship leader and said, hey, I want to call him. And we're like, all right, go ahead. You know, he, he, I'll see if he comes back. 
And I called him every week for six months. Six months. He said, why did I do that? I cared about him. I said, hey, you need to get back in the house of God. You really should be back. I know you're upset, but just let go of it. Just let God correct your heart, you know? Just forgive that person. Forget, forgive whoever it is. I believe you're supposed to be here. Six months. Now, that's a dedication, but I just knew I needed to. He came back, and God is heart right, and he literally said out his mouth, the only reason why I'm here is because you were bothering me every week. Wow. Now, hold on. He's still in the church today, and he's still serving on stage today. Think about what would happen if you, being part of a body, would hold people accountable in love. I didn't do anything. Like, I didn't call him like, where are you at? You're going to hell. You know, you're going you're gonna to miss your blessing if you go to any other church. You know, no, none of that. No, just said, hey, miss you, praying for you. I really hope to see you again soon. Get back in the house of God. And I remember saying that. See, this is the attitude and the mindset that we have. This is the heart that we have. We're unified together. One body, same mind, same heart, just like uh, Philippians says. Rose to their feet. Then Ezra, verse 6, praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, Amen, Amen, as they lifted their hands. They, then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Man, think about this. Think about, like, picture it in your mind. They're praising God. I mean, there's a lot of people, guys, in this, in this, in the, at the gate, at the water gate. And this assembly, they're praising God, thank, thanking him. I mean, amen, amen. Come on, so be it, so be it. And then they all bow down. They bow down, and they begin to worship God with their faces to the ground. That word is, when it, when it means to be face on the ground, it means to prostrate yourself. You're prostrated on the ground. And reverence and a fear of God and a love of God. See, this has a lot to do with how we are towards God. Do you have a heart that's prostrated before Him? Where I lay, I bow down, I lay down everything. God, and how do you know that? And how do you show God that? It's praise, it's thanksgiving, it's choosing His word over your feeling, it's being led by the Holy Ghost rather than by the flesh. It's choosing to believe what his word says rather than what maybe you've been taught that goes against his word. Come on, there's many things that have been taught that really distort God's truth. You can take any scripture and make it sound any way you want to. But what we must do as Christians is say, God, if your word doesn't say it, then I'm not going to do it. But if your word says it and I have a hard time with it, God, help me to overcome because I want to do it. See, God has mercy. There's enough mercy. The Bible says you can come boldly to the throne room of grace and obtain mercy. See, you work with a God that knows how to work with you. It gives you time. See, let me help you. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He won't force himself. The Holy Spirit will not force you to worship him. The Holy Spirit will not force you to speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit will not force you to do anything. If you think that when he comes upon me, then I'm just going to start speaking in tongues. I'm going to start healing people. I'm going to start seeing people suffering. No. You do it in faith. You do it because of what his word has said. You do it because of him already being in you. 
If you're waiting for something just to fall on you and you feel, ah, no, it's not going to be like that. Now, sometimes the Spirit of God may come upon you, just like it did in Acts 4, and they receive boldness. It said that the whole building was shaken. I can only imagine Acts chapter 2, it came upon them. But let me help you. The Acts chapter 2 experience is no longer what you will experience today for the church. You say, what? They waited and tarried for the Holy Ghost to come upon you. That is no longer what we do today. The Holy Ghost is already on the earth. You don't have to wait and tarry for him. All you have to do is receive. That's the only place you see them wait and tarry for the Holy Ghost. From that day, that initial evidence, it was always receive, receive. So tarrying actually is not biblically correct. And even the whole understanding, I want more of you. Let me help you. You got all of them there is already. I understand the sentiment, and we sing songs, and I get it, and I understand the heart behind it. But the reality is you got all of God right now living within you. So really what you got to say is, God, I give all of me to you. Here's all of me. You're not going to get any more. He's giving you everything. In this church age that we are living in, in this time right now, before the coming of our Lord Jesus, you got everything. The church has everything that they have need of right now. Come on. You have his spirit. One of the things that we see again, they put the word of God first. Write this down, and I'm almost done. Putting the word of God leads to revival. Putting the word of God first leads to revival. If you're taking notes, write this down. Putting the word of God first leads to revival. When it comes to revival, you see this in Ezekiel chapter 36. And it says in verse 22 through 30, Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name. That's Ezekiel 36 verse 22. And it says, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. Verse 23. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. This is Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel's in the Old Testament. And it says, and the nations will know that I am the Lord, and, and I, I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. Verse 24, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. Now look at this, verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be made clean or you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from your idols I will cleanse you verse 26 I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh verse 27 and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules Verse 28, you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all uncleanliness, and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant, that you may never again suffer the disgrace of the famine among the nations. Now look at this. He said, what does that do with me? 
Well, this is a promise that God gave. Remember, the promises of God are yes and amen for us today. I spoke about this Wednesday night. Are you the seed of Abraham? Yes, you are. I'm not going to go through the whole understanding, but you are. You can go in Galatians chapter 3 and just do a little bit of a study. Amen? By faith today. Through the blood of Jesus today. Now look at this. We know in verse 25 it says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all the uncleanliness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. See, a lot of times what's going on with people, believers, Christians, is they have idols in their life and this is why they don't worship God. See, we get all the people into this place at the water gate. We got to get them back to the word. We got to get them back to God's law. We got to remind them of the commandments. We got to remind them of the blessings, of the promises, of the curses. And this is very similar to what needs to happen in your life, in my life. You need to be reminded of God's word. And what happens when you're reminded of God's word? It begins to show who you truly worship or what you truly worship. Today, is there any idols in your life? For idols today, it may be your phone. For idols today, it may be your career. For idols today, it may be how you use your time. For It may be any type of thing. And what is idolatry? Idolatry is simply this. Whatever takes place of worship in your life. Do you give more worship to those things rather than God? What do you worship the most? And whatever it is, that is an idol if it's not God. What gets your most worship today? Is it worry? Is it anxiety? Depression? See, situations, circumstances, all those things that you go through, they, they can cause that if you allow it to. But you can do exactly what the word says, cast down vain imaginations. These vain imaginations mean they got no truth to them. This is what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to attack your mind. See, God's word, if you continue to read, it says, and I will give you a new heart, and I will give you a new spirit that I'll put within you. Who do you think he's talking about? The Holy Ghost. Come on, Ezekiel's talking about the Holy Ghost. This prophet, he's prophesying. See, the prophets in the Old Testament are prophesying of what was to come. Even Isaiah, he prophesied of Jesus. Jeremiah. That's why we read the Old Testament. Don't just toss it aside. But look at this. It says, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Oh, thank God for a heart of flesh today. And I will put my spirit within you. Think about this. He says, I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. What does Galatians say? I'm sorry, Ephesians 5. Actually, no, it is Galatians 5. Walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So when the spirit of God comes within you, it will show you how to walk in his truth. He is a spirit of truth, and he will lead you into all truth. You want to walk in obedience? You want to walk holy and pure before God? Follow after the Holy Spirit. Follow after the spirit of God. Well, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, there is no condemnation to those. Think about this. The spirit of life and peace that comes through 
the Lord, the Spirit of God. So I said this. Putting the word first leads to revival. The second thing you see within these guys is they are in unity. They're staying together. They fall on their knees together. They repent together, which you'll see next. So unity in purpose or unity in God's purpose brings revival. When we're unified together. Now sometimes, and you will be a witness to this, it starts with you first. I know how it feels. You feel like you're the only one doing it. I'm on my own. It's all right. Continue to press through. Your family will follow. And I know many people in here can testify to that. Where you were the person that first started it, then the spouse came, then the children came. Now, maybe that's not your testimony yet, but it will be. It will be. It will be. It will be. Same way within our church. What happens when we get unified? Where every single one of you sitting down today and that are not here that should be here. Say, you know what? I'm here for a purpose. I'm here to build God's kingdom. I have a hunger. I have a desire. I have a thirst. And nothing's going to stop that. There are people out there dying and going to hell that need the gospel. If that doesn't cause you to just get up and want to just go preach the gospel today after service, look, I don't know what will. Are you comfortable today? If you say, yeah, I am, let me help you. Get uncomfortable. Serving God should be uncomfortable because your flesh doesn't want you to. And you're going to have to get in a place to where you go against your flesh. Now, what will happen if you go against the flesh enough, that voice shuts up. Now it can creep up every so often. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. The voice of reason can come in. The voice of doubt can come in. We've all been there. And you're going to have that for the rest of until you go to heaven. Any person of faith, on the opposite of their faith, there was doubt, unbelief, every emotion, every human standpoint, every natural five cents. But in spite of all that, they believed anyways. So don't think that when you're in faith, that just cancels out problem. No, it's faith even though there is a problem. It's faith over the problem. It's faith through the problem. Now, I saw the Bible says you got to contend for the faith. You got to fight. You got to fight for your right. <laughs> for freedom. There you go. I like that. Taking you back to your 80s days, right? But you hear what I'm saying? Let me finish this up. They bow down and worship the Lord with their faces to the ground. And go to verse 9. And this is so sweet. I love this. Verse 9. It says, Then Nehemiah the governor and Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. For today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. 
And Nehemiah, verse 10, continued and said, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Notice that the reaction... And why was it this? Because they knew they were wrong. They knew that there was unrepentance within them. And as they heard the law, it brought them to a place of repentance. You want to see revival? It's going to start with repentance. True repentance. And what is true repentance? Well, the Bible says it this way. You repent and forsake. You turn 180 degrees. How do you know you repented? You forsake, meaning you don't go on continuing to do it. If you justify yourself continuing to do it, you haven't repented yet. I'm not saying you won't do it, but I'm saying you made a decision in your heart. I'm not going to do it. I'm not. And if I do it, God, I'm going to learn how to overcome it. See, a lot of times people don't overcome sin is because they still continue to do the same habitual practices in their life. You got a problem with something, find out what triggers it and get away from it. Cancel it out of your life. Is it really worth that subscription? Is it really worth being on your phone that much? Is it really worth you being around those type of people? Is it really worth going into that environment? He said, I can't. They're close to me. Yeah, but you would rather sin against God than just cut them out. You'd rather waste time on a phone where it leads to sin because you know your your lust. You know your weakness. Everyone knows their weaknesses. Come on. But you'd rather go to that knowing that it may happen again. But really, you should just hold yourself accountable and stay away from it. Maybe you need to get a flip phone. I'm going to say, oh, that's, that's, no, that's no, no practical way to do that. Really? Because we're talking about following God. And if you're so bound into it and you can't get free of it, a flip phone's the answer. How far are you willing to go? You want to stay under the dominion of it and stay a slave to it? Because in reality, you're not. You're free in Christ. And you say, well, I understand that. I'm righteous. Yeah, but guess what? Works follow that. Sometimes it's used as a way, like, well, I can do whatever I want to. Even Paul said, no, we don't. Since we have this liberty, can we just go and do whatever we want? No. But look at this. Don't mourn and weep on such a day. Look, yeah, you got repentance in your heart. You're hearing what's spoken. You know you're mourning. You're sad. He said, let it be turned into joy. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on, the Bible says that he will give you joy. A joy that will overwhelm you. A joy that will be overflowing or or, uh, overwhelming. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Or peace and joy. 
believing in the Holy Ghost. See, today, he's the God of hope. And he'll fill you with peace and joy. See, these people today are what we read. And as Nehemiah encouraged them, he said, this is a sacred day. Don't be sad. Don't mourn. It's a holy day. Don't be grieved. I understand why you're grieving. I understand why you're sad, but there's great joy. We're coming back to the place where we're walking with God as a nation. We're coming back to this place as a people where God is first again. Where we're not off just serving some pagan gods. We're not off doing our own thing where we're griping against one another, killing one another. Because think about Sanballat, Tobiah. I mean, these people, we know that San, or Tobiah was actually married into the, the, the family. He was part of them. And he was trying to kill Nehemiah. Oddly enough, you don't hear about these three men any again anymore any until Nehemiah 13. It's just for a short, brief moment you hear about Sanballat. I wonder if they were here in this moment. Probably not. Because remember what Nehemiah told him, what would happen, and what he prayed against him. But think of it this way. They've been all together now in unity, in repentance, hearing the word. There's great joy in that. See, when you get in the word of God, when you get in a place of intimacy with the Holy Ghost, oh, great joy comes out. And there might be weeping. You may be a place of repentance saying, God, I'm sorry. God, I need your help. God, life's really hard. And you're mourning, you're weeping. You feel the pressure of it. But you come out of that place with joy. You come out of that place knowing that God has strengthened you by his spirit, the Bible says in Ephesians 3. You come out of that place with a joy that sustains you, with a joy that fulfills you. See, what happens in revival, because revival is really for the people of God. Revival is not for an unbeliever. Revival means to revive something that was dead or something that is not living. See, now people can be revived, but really revival comes to the church. Right here you see the people of God, God's people, being revived. Revived. Think about it. How come they all come together in unity? How come they all come together, stand together, they honor together? What makes someone do that? The Spirit of God. Think about it. What makes you come here to get today? What makes you serve God? What helps you, encourages you? That, I should probably say that that makes you, but encourages you, causes you, just urges you to do it. The Holy Ghost in you. Come on, you felt the conviction before. You felt the grieving before. It's not condemnation, no. It's leading. He leads you. It's like, come on. And this is what you see. See, I believe God will work in this house. I believe God will work in this region. I believe God will revive us. I believe God will awaken us, and he will shake in those things that need to be shaken. And the things that are left will stand strong. Well, sometimes you just, it's just like Hebrews 12. You need to allow God to shake you. The Bible says that he is an all-consuming fire. He's an all-consuming fire. What things in your life do you need to bring before the altar of God and be consumed? Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's heartache. Maybe you need to repent of things. And you say, God, just follow fresh on me. Come and consume me. 
maybe today you're just, it's hard. It's been hard serving God. You're just, you feel spiritually dead. You feel just, just inadequate. You feel inactive. You just, you don't, you don't have life. Allow the fire of God just to breathe upon you again. Come upon you again. Come on, the Bible says that the anointing today can destroy the yoke. And that yoke means anything that you're bound up to. That's not of God. And I'm going to end it right here. And the Levites too quieted the people, telling them to hush. Verse 11, don't weep for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink a festive meal, to share gifts of food and to celebrate with great joy because they had, look, heard God's word. And you ready for the most important part? Understood. There's a lot of people that hear God's word, but they don't understand. So that really says, did you hear the word? It's kind of like what the saying we say. You ever heard your parents say that? Hey, I don't want to say something to you. It goes in one ear and out the other. Yes. And sometimes we like that. We're, we treat God's word. Yeah, I hear God's word, but is it really true? Will it really do that? Because it hasn't done it yet. No, you hear it. Get it deep in your heart. You meditate on it. You let it stay in there. And it may take some time, but you begin to understand it. God even says that his spirit will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. He will begin to make it real plain to you where you will understand it. And a person or a man with understanding and revelation, it's hard to stop them. When someone has understanding of God, when someone has a revelation of God, it's hard to deter them from following after him. I don't know about you, but there's no one that can shake my faith. There's no experience that I'll go through that can shake my faith today. You say, really? Yeah. I know people that have gone through some of the worst atrocities known to man, that have gone through some of the most painful things and still keep their faith in Christ. Many of you are like that today. And we must continue to be those men and women of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.